So I meet uh, a lot of people um, who uh, think they don't really have a need for the church. Um, if you guys know any of those people, um, it's you know most people are kind of the mindset. Well, you know if that's good for you, that's great, but that's not really my thing. I don't really think I need that. Um, some of these people even claim to be uh, followers of Jesus. Um, they will say things like, "I can I can worship God better." Um, in a, in a fishing boat um, than I can in a church service, or I can worship God better on a hiking trail um, than in a church service, or I can worship God a lot better in my RV um, than I can uh, in a church service. And, uh, and, you know, some of that sounds really spiritual. Um, and and if, if we're all honest, I think we all would say, all of us who know, know the Lord would say that we have had meaningful encounters with him in all of those kind of situations, right? Um, you know, I've uh, had meaningful times with the Lord um, just out in nature um, doing things. Um, I've had meaningful times with the Lord uh, working on projects around my house, um, all kinds of things like that. Um, so does that mean that these people are right and we really don't need the church and the church is just some archaic thing that uh, some people are just holding on to that now we have progressed past that? Well, my answer is, of course, no. Um, Because here's the main reason I think we need the church. Um, It's because Jesus gave us a mission to accomplish. And that mission is a mission that cannot be accomplished alone. We can't do it alone. If anyone was able to do it alone, it would have been Jesus. If anybody could have said, I'm doing this by myself, I don't need anyone else around me, it would have been Jesus. But what we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 1, is the fact that Jesus, even himself, had a group around him to help accomplish the mission. And so, what is the mission? Verse 1, soon afterward, he went, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing good news of the kingdom of God. That's the mission. That's what Jesus was about. That was his mission. And that's the mission that he left the church with, is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Teaching people the gospel. Telling them about how they can be made right with God. The way that we say it here is Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God, to be followers of Jesus. That's the way that we phrase that. But we know that that happens through the preaching of the gospel, the proclaiming of the word of God, just like Jesus was doing here. And you might say, well, wait, I don't see the other people yet because we haven't finished reading yet. Stick with me. All right. And the 12 were with him. So we know about that. We're like, oh yeah, he had the 12 and, you know, he's kind of discipling them or whatever. And so then after um, he's gone, they will, um, they kind of take over and lead the church and everything. Um, But but we see that Jesus brought others alongside himself to accomplish the mission. This is an important fact. This is one of those places in scripture where if we're just reading on our own a lot of times, we'll kind of just skim over this passage and keep going because we don't think it really applies. But it really applies. There's some major things um, that are in this passage right here. And so 
Jesus had the 12 with him. We've looked at the 12 um, in the past couple of weeks, back when we were um, in Luke uh, chapter uh, 5 and 6. Um, we talked about the calling of the 12 and who they were. We saw that they were all men. Um, they were all of different backgrounds, uh, different socioeconomic classes, uh, different uh, occupations, uh, different temperaments, uh, different personalities. Uh, they were very different, but they were all men. Um, well, then uh, the passage goes on here in Luke, and also some women. And you might be like, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, um, and in verse 2, yeah, Luke 8, 2. Um, and so it says, and some women. And we think, we read that, we're like, well, of course, there's always women in church with us, right? Like, what's the big deal? Well, and when this was written and when Jesus was doing this, this was a huge deal. Uh, Jesus was basically a Jewish rabbi was the way that he would be looked at. Rabbi is just a Jewish word meaning teacher. And no, no male Jewish teachers had women that he, they were teaching. That, that was just unheard of. Women were kind of looked down on in society. They were inferior. They would not be included um, in the group um, with, in most settings like this. But yet Luke is, is telling us, and there were women along with them as well. And, and so this is a very, very controversial, countercultural issue in this day and in this time when it was written. Um, for us today, um, a lot of times maybe it goes countercultural the other way when we look at this topic um, in, in the way that Scripture talks about it. And so, um, so it's, it's a challenging passage, but, but yeah, let's keep reading. And, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna. All right, so we see these three women listed here that are, are being, uh, being used by God, and they're a part of this group that's going around with Jesus proclaiming the gospel. And so, uh, so we see this. And, uh, and we, we look at this and we're like, that's awesome. These ladies are, are serving the Lord. They're doing great things. They're moving forward, um, helping the gospel advance, helping Jesus with his, his ministry. They're helping the mission be accomplished. This is incredible. This is a great thing. And, uh, and some of you that have heard me teach on these topics before might say, but wait, Wayne, I thought you were a complementarianism. Complementarian. And uh, that's easy for you to say. Um, but, and some of you are like, what in the world is a complementarian? I'm glad you ask. So um, basically in looking at the, the, the issue of men and women, uh, complementarians say that we see that God created man and, wo- and woman in such a way to complement one another. There are certain things that man is designed to do and certain things that woman is designed to do. Now you can see why this view would be very countercultural in our society today, um, because uh, most people uh, fall into the other group, the other category uh, called egalitarian. Um, egalitarianism is both man and woman are completely equal, and anything one can do, the other can do. Okay, um, and so those are very, 
rough definitions around these terms, like there's whole books written about these things. I'm giving you the, uh, the Wayne Elementary version. Um, I have to dumb things down in my head to understand them. So these, th- these are my versions of these terms and how to define them. Um, but, so why, did, why would I hold to a complementarian view? Um, well, any man uh, who has gone with a woman through pregnancy and birth says, I am not cut out for that. I was not created or designed to do that, right? Like that is just a very physical, obvious example of ways that one gender uh, was created by God to fulfill this purpose and the other gender was not, right? And that's a, that's a very like clear one. But when we come to other things, um, this becomes a lot more uh, cloudy, um, especially when it comes to issues of like leadership in the church or even leadership in the home. Um, I'm not going to go into exhaustive detail on this today. Um, if you're intrigued by this and want to know more about it, back when we did the series through Judges, um, I did a sermon on this topic when we were covering Deborah and Barak. Um, it's on our website. You can go back and listen to that if you want. Um, but in a nutshell, uh, what, what um, I see in Scripture is that for the ultimate leadership, the ultimate leadership role in the church and in the home, God intends for that to be um, fulfilled by men. Um, that's not to downplay women. That's not to degrade women. Um, but I just, in, in the passages where it talks about the elders and the, and the pastors, um, those roles are men in Scripture. Um, and uh, I know theologians um, who argue the egalitarian view, um, and they basically uh, argue it from uh, a view, basically their argument kind of goes like this. It's like, yeah, but that was because of the culture then. Um, that's not the, the culture anymore, and so we don't need to hold to that anymore. Um, and my response to that is, do you know how countercultural it was then for women to be included in Jesus' group? Do you think Jesus gave a flip about what the culture said about this issue? Not at all. Jesus didn't care. Jesus was the most countercultural person ever. Because he came in and he said, I don't care what your culture says, here's what God says. Here's the way that God intended it. And so if Jesus' intent was for women to be in that ultimate role of leadership, he would have included women in the 12. When he made, them, made the, the disciples who became the apostles, he would have put women in that group to be leaders over the church if that's what he intended to happen. But yet what we see, what I see throughout Scripture is that women are not supposed to hold that ultimate leadership role. Why? We don't fully understand why. But we know this, that God loves us, and God created us, and God has a mission for us. And so he's going, he designed us to fulfill that mission, men and women. That's what egalitarians and complementarians both agree on. God uses men and women to accomplish his mission. All right, so complementarians aren't, we're not like anti-women, okay? Like, I've, I've, I've had this conversation with people, and they're like, I know this is what you believe, but then I come to your church, and I see that women are doing all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 
Like, we, we want our women serving the Lord, obviously. Like, what, where, where do you see the friction? It's because we're misunderstood. It's the culture informing people that say, well, well, if, if you're, you're saying that, that maybe ladies shouldn't do anything, well, then that means that you're totally anti-women. No, not at all. We have a, a great women's ministry that we, we love that's doing some great things for the kingdom of God and advancing the mission of God, being led by our ladies. Um, it's very in line with scripture. Um, and so, and we're very, very happy about that. Um, we um, all... All over the place, we cannot accomplish what we need to accomplish as a church without our women. And so, ladies, don't hear me saying we're belittling you or anything like this. <laughs> Michelle said, you just want us to do all the work. No, no, no. But we all do have different roles to play. We have different, uh, different hats to wear, different aspects to carry, just like Jesus and the disciples and these ladies right here. Um, and so they're, they're accomplishing the mission together, and that's what we all need to do as well, is we need to uh, join arms, work together to accomplish this mission. If this is a, a major, if this is really rubbing you the wrong way, or you have questions about this, I'd love to discuss it with you further. Um, I also want to clarify um, that this is not um, a divisive issue um, for me. I can partner with other Christians, other churches in town that hold a different view um, than I do on this, um, which is good because I think most others in our area hold a different view than I do on this. Um, and so um, this is not an issue that divides us from working with another church as long as they're working towards advancing that same mission, preaching the same gospel, and maybe they understand church leadership a little different, or maybe they understand the scriptures a little different about what it says on this issue, we can, we can still work together. Um, even be, being a member of Potter's House, you do not have to agree um, with us on this issue. It is not part of the covenant um, that you hold to this belief, um, but uh, part of the covenant is that you will protect the unity of the church, and so what that means is you will not be divisive on this issue, um, that you will respect um, the church's stance on it, even though maybe you disagree, um, you, d you won't make it a, a battle issue. You won't be, it won't be something where you bring disunity to the church, okay? So if you disagree with me, that's okay. Um, I, I, when we get to heaven, God will lay it all out for us, and we will uh, we'll understand um, exactly what, what he intended. Um, but my job as a pastor is to preach the word of God and the truth that I see in it and the way that I understand it. And I would be doing a disservice to you if I shy away from this issue or I shy away from, uh, from preaching on it when it comes up in Scripture. And, uh, and so we've kind of taken a little, little detour, but let's come back to the very encouraging fact of the fact that it's men and women that Jesus is using alongside himself to accomplish the mission. This is huge. This is great news for all of us. Let's look a little bit more at these women that are listed. So what do we know about Mary Magdalene? Well, right here it tells us that she was healed from seven demons. Um, so kind of surmise what we can from that. Most likely um, she would not have been very popular um, in society. Um, being controlled by demons is not 
a good way to wealth and riches, popularity, um, social status, right? And so most likely when she came, uh, when Jesus healed her and she came to Christ and she's following him, she didn't have a lot of earthly stuff to contribute. Most likely she was kind of the outcast in society. But then the next woman mentioned is Joanna, um, who's the wife of Chusa, who was Herod, who's basically the king of the area, um, household manager. So this would have been a woman of much clout. This would have been a lady uh, who was very highly respected in town. Uh, she would have had a high position. Uh, she would be the one that's invited to all the parties. Um, she's the one that everyone wants to, to rub elbows with. They want to be around her um, because of who her husband was and the position that he held um, in the government. And so she would have had wealth and popularity. Um, and then Susanna, what do we know about Susanna? Well, we know that her name is Susanna. That's what we know about Susanna. That's it. But she made the list, right? I mean, that's a pretty big deal for, to get mentioned in Scripture for serving the Lord. That's a pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but then the passage goes on and it says, and many others. It's not an exhaustive list. There's many others. So I kind of picture when we get to, uh, get to heaven it's going to be like, oh, well, there's the disciples. We know about them. We know what they did, and that's awesome. And, and uh, Mary Magdalene, oh, yeah, yeah, so cool. So, oh, yeah, Joanna, Susanna, yeah, we don't know anything about you, Susanna. Tell us more. And well, who are those people? Oh, well, those are the others, the many, many, many others. What do, we, what, do we, what do we find out about them there? Well, if we look at other places where Jesus taught, he taught that the, the least is the greatest. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Whoever is the lowest shall be the greatest. So I feel like some of those many others are going to be people that we get to look up to in a major way when we get to heaven. We don't even know their names now, but they're going to hold very important positions when we get there. And I think that should be an encouragement to us all that maybe we feel like I'm just an other. And that can maybe feel discouraging sometimes. It's like, you know, I want to do something for the mission of God. I want to advance the kingdom. But I I just don't, don't, you know, I'm not the one up there proclaiming. So maybe I, I don't feel like I'm doing much. But I want to tell you, the many others make it possible for the proclamation of the gospel. From the very beginning, even with Jesus, even with the one who could, you know, feed 5,000 people with five loaves, and two, five loaves of bread and two fish, he still had people around him meeting the needs, taking care of him. Why? Because that's his example. That's how he wants us to live. And so we each have different roles to play in whatever it is that we can play it in accomplishing the mission. We each have um, a position to, to fulfill. And, uh, and so what did these people do? Well, the passage ends with, who provided for them out of their means. So this group is providing for Jesus and the disciples so that they can accomplish the mission. How are they doing that? out of their means. 
leads us to ask, what means did they have? We talked about Mary Magdalene probably didn't have a lot of financial means. Joanna probably did. We don't know about Susanna. The point is they all brought what they had and they contributed it. Whether it was their finances or their time or their abilities, they brought these things to the table and said, I have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. Mary Magdalene, he has healed me from seven demons. I am eternally grateful for him. The passage we covered last week, those who have been forgiven much love much. These people are the examples of that. These people that have been healed, they have been made right with God. And because of that, they love God. And they love Jesus and they want to serve him, not just with their voices, but with all of them, with all of who they are. And that's who we want to be. We want to be a church that says, here, I'm putting it on the table. Lord, here's what I have. Here are my means. Here's the ability I have. Here's the time that I have. Here's the money that I have. And I'm putting this on the table however you want to use it, Lord. It's right here. And I'm glad to do that. And so I want to close with that. Whatever means the Lord has given us, we're to use those for accomplishing the mission of proclaiming the gospel. From the very beginning, Jesus set the example that for this to be accomplished, it's going to take a lot of people coming alongside, a lot of others. And I know for our church, sometimes we feel like we need a lot more of those others. Well, you know where the others came from? Jesus healed them. They heard the proclamation of the gospel. They were changed, and they became part of the group that helped tell more people. And that's how it's going to happen for us as well. Is that maybe some of the people that are going to be helping with our kids' ministry, some of the people that's going to help us get a youth ministry going. Some of the people um, that will join our setup team um, will help us with teardown, will help us with community outreach. Some of those people aren't believers yet. And so our job is to take the gospel to them and to share with them. And when God transforms their lives and he changes them and they understand what it means to be forgiven much so they love much and they come alongside us, and we work together. And this is why we all need the church. It's because we can't accomplish this on our own. We need each other because we each have different gifts, talents, and abilities. And we need those to come together to accomplish the mission together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the mission that you've given us, that you've entrusted this to us. It's such a humbling thing, um, Lord, to be able uh, to come to you and uh, to um, be able to serve you, um, to be called uh, by you. And Lord, we thank you for, for Jesus and what he did for us. Lord, I thank you for what Jesus did um, just for the thought process of women 
um, in society. And that uh, he took those who were considered lowly and outcast and he elevated them to the position that they deserve. Um, he, he showed that we're to love and respect ladies. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that correction that he brought to the culture. Um, God, and I thank you um, that we get to, uh, to walk in that freedom uh, that he brings us. And Lord, I pray um, that we will work together, um, that we will strive uh, to live to glorify you, and that in doing that, we will accomplish the mission that you've given us. Because it all boils down to the fact that you sent your son to die on a cross, paying the punishment that we deserve so that we can be forgiven and made right with you. We thank you for that sacrifice that you made. Because of that, we love you. We love you greatly for the change that you've brought to our lives. And Lord, we pray that you will bring that change to many others who will come alongside us, letting even more know about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. Mm-hmm.